time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is a special mini episode where we talk about the great chicken food conspiracy. Okay, so are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am, but first, let's introduce our special guest. We have Dr. Rebecca back to join us. Yeah. Welcome, Dr. Rebecca. We're glad to have you back in the studio again so soon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking with you guys about this today. So unless you are not on social media and don't watch the news, that's the only way you will not have heard about the chicken food conspiracy. We've seen essentially three different versions of this conspiracy. There may be more, but the first one we've seen, it's a claim that Tractor Supply Company and their feed manufacturer Purina are putting something in the chicken food to stop hens from laying eggs. The second thing we've seen is a claim that Tractor Supply Company and Purina, that the feed they produce has been tested in a lab and came back 0% protein level. The third, and admittedly pretty far out there conspiracy, is that Bill Gates is the author of all of this. It wouldn't be a conspiracy unless Bill Gates was involved in some way. Because I research everything, you know, if someone comes out with a conspiracy theory, I say, well, let's take a look. Maybe there's something to it. Let's see. Because sometimes there's a grain of truth in these things and they just get crazy. Well, if you do any research on this, you will find that the Bill Gates agriculture conspiracy theory is very, very old. It claims that Bill Gates has had about a 10-year plan to buy all the meat and egg farms that he can and then wreck them so that everyone buys fake meat. It's a little bit of a stretch. Just a little. So maybe we should start off just talking about the basic science of the hen's reproductive system. So Rebecca, explain to us how that reproductive system of those beautiful girls actually works. To start off, even though chickens are the avian species and they are not mammals, I would say their reproductive system actually is very similar. A lot of the anatomy is still there. They basically have an ovary and most birds only have one ovary. It's on the left side, which is important to know for veterinarians. And honestly, if you're ever trying to feel the hen's reproductive system, if you want to feel if there's an egg stuck or something like that, it's usually going to be on the left side of the body. So the ovary itself is where everything begins. They have a bunch of follicles that essentially, if you actually look at one of these in person, you can actually see that they almost look like spheres of yolk. That's what it kind of looks like. And they're all at different stages of development. When you look at one of these, there's several follicles, but one of them will grow to be, I guess, the main follicle that eventually is passed into the oviduct to become an egg. And along the way, it essentially has the albumin added, which is the egg white. And then there's a shell gland at the end of the oviduct that basically puts on that calcium shell. So basically they ovulate. Yes. Basically they would ovulate that main follicle would be passed into the rest of the reproductive tract. So that ovary will launch that main follicle in there. And then that egg will make its way down the oviduct to add all the components that make it an actual egg. So we were very curious about this. Could the hen's feed have a direct effect on whether or not she ovulates? And like you said, their reproductive system is pretty similar to most of the female creatures in the world. Obviously, chickens have been bred to the point where they ovulate almost daily, unlike humans that ovulate usually monthly or say sheep 
that might ovulate twice a year. So the chicken is this specialized sort of super ovulation. And I think it's important to remember if you're a chicken keeper that your hen is not a machine. This is a female body doing what female bodies do. They don't lay on demand. And their basic need when it comes to releasing the hormones that cause ovulation is light, specifically day length. Is that right, Dr. Rebecca? Yes, that's right. So day length, or you can also call it photo period, which is basically the amount of daylight that we're getting per day. So the main driver of ovulation in chickens is the length of daylight. It's not temperature, which a lot of people seem to think that, oh, when it gets warm, that's when they will start laying eggs again. And while of course those are correlated in most areas, it's not actually the temperature at all. It is the length of natural light that that hen is being exposed to. And from what I was brushing up on, it looks like most hens need about 14 to 16 hours of daylight a day to get to that peak production. That being said, they can still ovulate when there's less daylight than that. When it gets to like eight to 10 hours of daylight, their ovaries might shut down completely. So right. that's why we see the typical seasonal egg laying. It's because their reproductive system is directly driven by the amount of natural light that they are being exposed to each day. Right. So when fall comes and the days get much shorter, we're going to see a drop off due to decreased daylight and also molting due to they need to pull all those resources into building feathers versus eggs. So every year from fall to midwinter, your chickens will naturally take a break from laying because those criteria are not met with light. They're growing feathers. And it's very normal for chickens to take a few months off. There's different breeds that we call winter layers that will start up about in the time where we are now. So the end of January, February, and then everybody's going to start up February, March, and April into their egg season. There's also some confusion because a lot of folks got chickens and their spring pullets laid through the fall and winter that first year. That's not uncommon. Their chickens second year, they will not. They will have their first catastrophic molt. They will stop laying in late summer, early fall. They will probably not pick up again until December or January, again, depending on breeds and day lengths. And so as part of the feed conspiracy, those of us who are chicken educators would say, well, your chicken's probably older. And they would say, no, no, no. But in terms of laying, even a two-year-old chicken is quote unquote old. Especially a hybrid at two years old. That's even different than a heritage breed at two years old. Right. That doesn't mean your chicken is elderly, but it means as far as her reproductive system is concerned, she's not going to be able to carry the rate that she did early on. And speaking of hybrid breeds in general too, I think a lot of people, especially their first time getting chickens might be kind of attracted to those breeds because they are bred for egg laying. So they're promised to give you a ton of eggs. Unfortunately, due to their high egg laying capacity, their lifespans are greatly shortened and they usually only live about, I would say, two to three years. I don't know if I've ever seen a four-year-old hybrid breed even come into my clinic. Not that it's not possible, but most of them I'm seeing with issues by two to three years old, unfortunately. Right. And by that second year, everything that says egg laying statistics for a hybrid is they lay their optimum number. So say it's 295 in the first year that second year is going to be cut three quarters to a half in egg production. So you're going to see a decrease naturally. And then you factor in the light factor and the molting factor. They're going to take a break. That's normal. 
That's why this conspiracy is so strange to me because for thousands of years, chickens have been taking a break fall to midwinter. When you think about the earliest chickens, the earliest chickens were mostly pets and they maybe laid two clutches of eggs a year. Right. So maybe they laid a couple of dozen a year at the most. Essentially what happens, and correct me if I get any of this wrong, the daylight lengthens and it stimulates the hen's pituitary gland. The pituitary gland releases the hormone she needs. There's a luteinizing hormone and then there's a follicle stimulating hormone. And those things cause her to ovulate. These are not protein dependent in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically the physiology of what causes them to start that ovulation process and create the eggs themselves. Now, of course, hens need a good nutrition source in order to do this in the first place. I would say in general, anything reproductive related and animals in general is always done at like kind of a bonus, like their basic needs always need to be met first. So the hen has to be healthy. She has to be on the right diet. There's just so much that goes into just doing her normal maintenance, staying alive. Basically, their main function is stay alive. And then anything extra, they then can allocate those resources towards making eggs and doing reproductive things. Hormones are produced by, like you said, the pituitary gland. It's not directly related, I would say, to the protein levels in the food. So your hen has to have her recommended daily allowance of all of the things she needs, her regular protein, carbohydrates, vitamins, minerals, and then the reproductive process can start. If your hen were getting not enough protein, she would not be well. No, that is definitely true. You wouldn't just see, oh, she's not laying eggs. I would also expect her feathers to look pretty ratty. And just in general, she should not be doing well. Protein, carbohydrates, and fats are the three basic nutrients that every life form pretty much needs in order to just function. So if there was really 0% protein in the food, I would expect that hen to be way worse off than just not laying eggs. Exactly. What I want to do is list the things that the hens actually need for their reproductive system to actually lay the eggs. So there's four things. There's light, there's calcium, there's phosphorus, and there's vitamin D. We do not find protein in those four. Protein is needed for overall health and maintaining for life, like Dr. Rebecca says. So you need the balance of calcium and phosphorus. You obviously need the daylight, which we explained earlier. Vitamin D helps metabolize the calcium. My other little thing right there, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me get on this soapbox, and that is eggs are seasonal. Sometimes it's a really long season, but eggs are seasonal. And that means that if you have a hen, even your oldest hens, if they're going to lay, generally you get those bonus eggs in the spring. They're stimulated when the day gets longer. Other than seriously genetically engineered hybrids, I do not know of anything other than a pullet, a one-year-old hen, that will lay the whole year through. Every other breed takes a break. Agreed. I have had, I think, chicks every single year so far. And yeah, those one-year-old pullets are always, I would say, almost like machines that first year they lay so many eggs. But every year after that, I definitely notice... I have some of my more adult chickens will even molt twice a year. So, I mean, I see big breaks in between of when they're laying eggs. I would say the only chicken, like you said, that's laid pretty much continuously is my one hybrid breed. And to me, that's a problem. Um, She hasn't molted in probably a year. And I think that's just not great for her body in general, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So we know that a hen needs a certain amount of protein. Extra protein does not make her lay more. 
But extra protein can have some dangers. What can happen if your hen is consistently fed too much protein? Just like everything in life, there's always got to be a balance. More protein is not necessarily better. I would say the main issue we see a lot of times with high protein diets is that it can actually negatively affect the liver. And we can see a disease called hepatic lipidosis in hens. It's basically when all of this fat tissue instead of normal liver tissue, all of this fat tissue kind of infiltrates and causes the liver to not function normally. And they can die from it too. And it's one of those that you don't really know what's happening until they're very sick. I would say that's the main problem that we see with backyard breeds that are overfed protein. Too much of a good thing. If you're not happy with a chicken formulated food that you're feeding, there are many different commercial brands out there that you can switch to. These companies have spent billions of dollars testing these foods and formulating them for the amount of protein that these chickens need. When you go into creating your own mixture or someone else creating a mixture, you don't know how much you're giving. You could be giving too much of a good thing or too little. You just don't know. I had some courses in nutrition, but I'm not a veterinary nutritionist. I would never attempt to make a diet for any species that I see. I remember I attended a continuing education lecture from a nutritionist. This was about dogs, but we see a lot of people homemaking food for their dogs as well. And I believe she said the percentage was almost as high as like 95% of people get it wrong when they try to make their own diet at home. Even if you're trying to use resources, there's probably always something that you're going to miss. Exactly. Do you ever see things like gout or kidney problems from birds that have too much protein? Fortunately, I don't see it all too often. However, yes, gout is one of the other big diseases that we can see from too much protein. And I think unfortunately, it is actually a very hard disease to diagnose when the bird is alive. So it's one of those things almost after the fact we're diagnosing gout in these birds that almost drop dead sometimes because they're so good at hiding illness and people don't realize it could be the feed that's causing that. So I have not, I've not seen a lot of them come in that I've diagnosed alive, but I will say any bird I recommend if they die for an unknown reason to, we send them off to the state lab to have necropsied. And I would say a good percentage of those actually do come back with gout. Okay. My other question is with the fatty liver, a lot of people think fatty liver is a direct result of a hen being too fat, but there's not necessarily a correlation there, is there? No, I would say there's not a correlation. So feeding like too many calories is not the same as feeding too much protein. What happens is when protein is ingested, the body, of course, breaks it down into the basic building blocks like amino acids. And if the body has more protein than it needs, it actually breaks down that protein and will store it as fat. So I'm not going to go into the exact mechanism of how that happens, but when you feed too much protein, that's not the same as like an obese hen that has just too much fat in general, because calories and protein aren't really the same thing. Protein, of course, contributes to the overall caloric intake. But when you're feeding an imbalance of protein, fat and carbohydrates, then you can get that fatty liver because basically the body's taking that excess that it doesn't need in the form of protein and it will store it. And that's how the liver itself becomes infiltrated with fat tissue. And something I'll just interesting about fatty liver is not only can they be very sick from it, but I have actually seen cases where when the liver becomes more of a fat tissue kind of organ, 
it actually is a lot more fragile. And believe it or not, I have seen cases where a hen with a fatty liver, if they do something like jump off the roost the wrong way or get into a traumatic injury, that liver can actually fracture and they can actually bleed to death. So I know that sounds crazy, but that is something that can happen if you feed too much protein and they get that fatty liver as they can not only get very sick, but they can actually be prone to a bleeding out episode. Wow. Do you guys know, I guess when I have seen some of these things posted, I know that Tractor Supply and Purina have been two of the ones that people have mentioned are the bad guys, but they say that they just switch their feed. Like, do they say what they switch to? I feel like that's kind of ambiguous sometimes about what they're switching to. I saw the goat feed one, which is just a no for me. In this area, a lot of people are trying to find local. So like local feed mills, there's a local company called Harvest Home, I think, that a lot of people are switching I think to. Yeah, Harvest Homestead is one I've heard of too. I don't know if that's the same thing. That's totally fine. If people want to buy local, I totally support that. But yep. it does usually come with a higher price tag too. So people just need to be aware of that. But at the same time, buying local is totally fine. But I don't think we also need to make out like Purina and Tractor Supply or these evil corporations out to get our chickens. Exactly. <laughs> It's easy to vilify the corporations, but I think they do make a good quality product. I've heard people talking about fillers in chicken food. Now, fillers, and it's usually carbohydrates, so it's usually grains that are used as fillers. They may be concerned with cat and dog food, but they're not really concerned with chickens. That's the chicken's natural diet. Right. I will say too, the words like fillers and things like that are, I would say, relatively new terms we've seen come out about feed in general. And when it comes down to it, it's not really a scientific term. It's really more of a marketing term. A lot of these boutique brands have tried to make fillers out to be this like horrible thing in some of these commercial foods. And again, I have no issue if people want to spend the money on boutique foods as long as it's been tested and formulated by a nutritionist. But let's not act like these foods are also bad from these fake terms that have been made up like fillers, because really when it comes down to it, it's a marketing strategy, which I don't think a lot of people really realize. And the thing is, these companies have spent billions of dollars. Lots of science has gone into it. These companies are huge and they pour the money into the studies and formulating the food. It's done for you. Yeah, it's done for you. Like, Don't make it harder than you need to. And also, it's not only that they have all this money to just formulate the feeds and make sure it's balanced, but they actually have usually for dogs and cats and chickens, they have years of feeding trials where they actually track these animals on this food just to make sure over the years, does the nutrition stand up? Does it accommodate their lifestyle as they get older? Which a lot of smaller brands, they don't have the money or the time to really do that, frankly. So that's an important thing thing to mention is the feeding trials, I think are really important too, that these companies have done to make sure that these feeds are safe. I was checking into Purina on its own. Not everyone's a fan of Purina dog and cat food, and that's fine. That's their right. But Purina dog and cat is actually a completely different company. It's owned by Nestle. Agricultural Purina, the Purina feed division is owned by Lander Lakes. They are actually two separate companies. Oh yeah, that's right. The other thing I've seen floating around during these conspiracy theories is people saying, well, what did chickens eat 100 years ago? And it's kind of irrelevant what chickens ate 100 years ago, because the chicken that we have today is not the same chicken that we had 100 years ago. They've been bred selectively. Some of the foods they ate don't even exist anymore in the same state. And to top it all off, I'm not sure they lived that long. They probably didn't live that long. And I'm sure they were not producing an egg every day. That's almost a given. There's no way. I mean, sure, we have this modern chicken and there are bad things that come along with it, 
but scientifically proven better nutrition and veterinary care gives you a lot longer time with your pet chicken. It's like saying that we should be eating the foods people ate hundreds of years ago and not change our diets. Well, that's I great mean, if we can get some of those foods. I mean, come <laughs> off your heirloom tomatoes, but you can't necessarily get the things that people ate hundreds of years ago. No, you have to be fluent with the times. Here in the pet chicken world, it's moved to their benefit. We have the food that gives them exactly what they need. I think it's also worth mentioning that I would say the day length is the biggest thing that drives it, but there's so many other factors that can come into egg production. Like we talked about previously, egg production is a bonus for any chicken. It's when all of their needs have already been met. So anytime there is a stressful event, whether it be maybe there was a predator attack, I would say I've seen entire flocks affected emotionally from something like that. And I have actually seen the chicken stop laying for a period of time. We also see chickens will take a break from laying if there's any like extreme weather. Something that comes to mind that might line up with this whole timeline is I would say most of the country went through a very, very cold weather snap around Christmas time. Around this area, we had temperatures below 10 degrees, which is pretty unusual for our area. I think you guys can agree. And while the chickens can survive it, something like that, they have to allocate their resources towards keeping warm and surviving that cold spell. So they might not lay for several weeks sometimes when they do something like that. We also see it during extreme temperatures in the summer. So if we're getting 90, 100 degree days, a lot of chickens will not be allocating those resources towards laying. They're going to be focusing on staying hydrated and keeping cool. So those are other periods of time that might seem like, oh, why are my chickens not laying? Like there's no explanation for it, but that's something to think about. And then of course, any illness can cause a drop in egg production, particularly any respiratory disease that's contagious. The whole flock might end up not producing as many eggs as normal. So there's just so many other factors that it's really hard to just point the finger at the feed because we can't analyze every single person's flock and why this might've happened. Because I see that a lot. People are like, well, what other explanation is there? And there's, I hate to say there's a ton of other explanations. Ton of other explanations. And when you get back the snippy reply, well, I changed to goat food and my chicken is laying now. No, your chicken is laying because the days are getting longer. Yeah. Really, truly has nothing to do with goat food. If your chicken is laying now, it's because her pituitary gland has stimulated her hormones and she's ovulating. It's that simple. Let's look at this. Late November, it got dark at five o'clock. Now I'm out there at 5.50 to 5.55 and it's just now getting dark and the morning has changed also. That plays a huge role in all of this. Number one is daylight. There's nothing you can put in the food to stop a chicken's reproductive system unless it was poison and then you're going to kill your chicken. (laughs) I almost said that. I stopped myself from saying that on social media. I almost said, unless TSC is giving out implants, they're not going to stop your chicken from ovulating. Yeah, absolutely. I guess part of me, I don't know why a place like Tractor Supply or Purina would benefit from doing this anyway, because if it was true, then people are going to stop buying their feed. So I don't know why they would do this to begin with. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And I have some more research to do on this. So I'm not saying this is an absolute, but my understanding is that these big feed companies have a lot of oversight. Their products are analyzed. They have a huge liability if their products are not the way they're advertised. I don't think it's worth it to them in any way, shape, or form to mess with the feed. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think something else I think is worth mentioning is I know that this stuff is just all over the place right now. 
And we've seen like stuff like this happen before. And I know this even made a certain big news channel. And I always have to look at the people that they choose to interview is sometimes interesting. One was someone that's had chicken for like four years or so. And not that you don't get a lot of experience from raising chickens for four years, but why are they not asking Purina or the USDA or anyone like that? I don't understand why they never really get true experts to interview. So anytime you're seeing a source not getting actual experts, I think, to weigh in on this is kind of a red flag, in my opinion. I don't see any veterinarians or any employees of any of these food companies being asked about this. It's always just some people with their own anecdotal. At the very least, they could go to their state's extension agent, right? someone who's qualified and it doesn't cost them anything to talk to them. If you're going to make a claim like this, you got to have some kind of proof to back it up, especially with the 0% protein thing. I did actually talk to, I have a friend who is one of the state poultry vets. And she said that not every state lab does it, but some of them do offer feed analysis. So I would be very curious if someone would be willing to do that. I have not had any problems personally, so I guess I'm not the person to send my feed because there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it. But I would be curious if someone was willing to send their feed off to have it analyzed, who is curious about any problems that they are having with egg laying this year. It's like you got to have some proof, though. I mean, you can't just say that you found out there's 0% protein in your feed. I also don't think that's sustainable. I don't know how your hens would even be surviving. It doesn't make sense biologically either because every part of the plant has amino acids and protein in it. Even if your food was nothing but corn, there would still be a modest amount of protein in it. Exactly. Consider the source, as my mom always used to say. Consider yes, the source. Consider the source, exactly. Exactly. If someone is starting, let's say, a conspiracy theory and they have a lot to gain out of it, some people who want to start this up, they get a lot of followers, they get a lot of attention. It turns a focus from chickens to their own needs. So let's take a look at this. You can learn a lot in four years of chicken keeping. You absolutely can. But four years does not an expert make. Right. And another detail about, I guess, people are saying that they switched the food and it almost seems like they're saying overnight their chickens started laying again. My biggest concern is if people start feeding goat feed and stuff like that, you might not see the negative effects of a vitamin deficiency or excess of vitamin or mineral in that food cause any health problems for several weeks to months because it takes time for those to actually make changes in the makeup of their body. So that being said, I find it very hard to believe that changing food would make that big of a difference in their ability to lay eggs over a few days. It should take a lot longer than that. It doesn't make any sense anyway, because goats are herbivores. herbivores. (laughs) It makes no sense to me whatsoever that you would take food from a grazing animal and feed it to an omnivorous animal. Yeah. The whole thing just makes no sense. I think what everyone needs to do is look back at the science, look back at the anatomy and physiology of the chicken and how that body works for your explanation. The days are getting longer and your chickens will start to lay soon. They took their break. Unless you want to have a baby every day of the week, I think it's unfair to expect your chickens to do the same. They're not machines. They are a living creature that has a reproductive system that works a certain way, needs certain components. And like you said, eggs are a gift. After everything else is met, they will lay the eggs. It's a shame that everyone is putting this pressure on them and expecting them to be laying 365 days a year. That's not the way their bodies work. Right. If you're keeping your chickens for production or you're running an egg business, that's great. But you'd better know your science if you're doing that. 
Agreed. And the thing is, if you want to try switching feeds, just please make sure that it is a brand of feed that has a veterinary nutritionist on staff creating this feed that is for chickens and for their respective lifestyle, such as chick feed versus layer feed versus off-lock feed. There's no harm in trying to switch food. Sometimes chickens won't like when you change food, so make sure that they're actually eating it. So that's the biggest thing. None of us here are married to any certain brand. I think that's important to say, but we just want to make sure that people are at least feeding some sort of approved chicken diet rather than trying to make their own or just going off label with some other species, because in the long run, it is going to hurt your flock. I think that's a great way to end it. And if you have any questions or concerns, we are always here. You can DM us, you can email us. We'll answer your questions as well as we can. Just feed your food as normal. The days are getting longer. Those chickens are going to start laying eggs for you in the spring and you won't know what to do with all of them. So thank you, Dr. Rebecca, for coming on for this special episode. We appreciate it. No, thank you. And thank you, ladies. This was a really good episode, I think, to get out there in a timely fashion and try to bring everything back down to earth. And as always, all of the studies that we referenced in this episode will be in the show notes. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening.